podcast. This week's edition is all about death, which is what you're probably wishing for after 86 episodes of this crap. Shout out to everyone who has survived this long, mostly me. And now here are the only podcast hosts who don't fear the Reaper, Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg. guys, I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. Allie and I are performers who for many years performed the internet as a script in our show, Blogologues. We would take anything you could find online and play different characters in front of a live audience thinking who could be saying these words. Then we created a web series called Two Girls, One Show, where we interview people behind all those internet posts that we had read over the years and went on scripted adventures. And we eventually found our way right here where we are today, Two Girls, One Podcast, talking to people behind internet communities and phenomena that we find really, really cool. So welcome. We're glad you're here. Hi, Matt. Hi, Allie. And my penis directed towards the sun. <laughs> Honestly, that one might be my favorite ad ever. I think it's so, tough. too. I really can't understand myself, though, with that accent. So. But the penis directed <laughs> towards the sun is better in context. R- really? Uh, yeah. I find out of context to always be best. I find uh, it equally as pleasurable. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, penises. Today, we're talking yes. about death, guys. Is there w- oh, sorry. Right. Death, dicks. It's really similar. Did you know that in French, uh, an orgasm is a little death? Yes, we all know that, right? I did know that. <laughs> oh, I did I not did know, know that. that. Trivia. Although yeah. I feel that maybe you're the one who told me that, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> that might be why I know this information. Everyone knows this if you are Allie and Jen and hang out exclusively with each other for 10 years. That's yeah, right. You know, we have other friends. <laughs> mm, do you? Matt, I thought we were friends. Well, Jen, that's that's definitely misguided. Oh, God, I know. It keeps me up at night. How am I going to make Matt my friend? Anyway, know. let's talk about today's episode and how the fuck we're going to make it funny. Ellie, I don't know. Maybe like, like Looney Tunes style. Like if we think about death as like an anvil falling on a head... No real consequences. Next episode, they're back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not death. That, that was my and understanding also, of death. Y- mm-hmm. Oh, okay, cool. And like Kenny and South Park, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Or like when you play a video game and you have like, you know, you put in a cheat code, you get infinite lives. So like death is n- no big deal, right? Right. Yeah, so basically we're not talking about death. We're talking about avoiding death. Okay. Yeah, or like, you know, like the plan. Yo, let's also talk about mummies. That's just cool. <laughs> I love a good mummy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, guys, you're going to love love today's trivia and wow thank you for alley-ooping that segue right right there for the assist is like, it just, I'm, does I, it I mean, feel too soon it feels too soon for trivia right no uh, you you no, served it doesn't it up. feel soon it doesn't feel soon let's move this along let's do, <laughs> i alley-ooped it right, Allie does do not it. want to talk about death right. she is not I'm, enjoying this episode i'm out of here <laughs> let's get into the uh, fucking you, trivia <laughs> today's show is about everyone's favorite topic which is death and today's trivia is about everyone's second favorite topic, which is, let's all say it together, necrophilia. Oh. You literally (laughs) said sex and mummies, and I said necrophilia. What is going on? Convergence. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) That was beautiful. In ancient Egypt, it seems that there were some common complaints about necrophilia Specifically, when sailors were transporting bodies, uh, apparently this was a big enough issue in ancient times that Herodotus, a very important ancient Greek uh, historian, he noted that when beautiful 
Egyptian women died, uh, they would prepare the body in such a way to discourage necrophilia. Oh no. What did they do? Oh god. <laughs> this is so gross. Uh, you ready? Chastity belt. They sealed god. it up. All right. Here. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> Man, you guys are on point. Here's choice A. A. They would insert a stone obelisk into the woman's, you know, to prevent <laughs> things from happening. That's this A. Is horrible. This is okay. B. B. It gets better. They would disguise the body as a man by gluing a relative's facial hair onto the corpse. Oh, I like that. But they didn't have to. <laughs> you can <laughs> still glue. see the body. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> or C. They would let the woman's body decay for three to four days before embalming her. Mm. I bet they'd still fuck it. <laughs> I'm going to go with A. <laughs> that predates the vibrators. Little obelisks. <laughs> Give me my obelisk, Herodotus. I'm nodding and seconding everything that Jen is saying right now. I have nothing to add to this conversation. I'm going with A. Wow, two for A. Obelisk up the hoo-ha. That's what I'm doing right now. It's the name of my memoir. <laughs> <laughs> we will find out the correct answer after the break. And now a real advertisement entitled Babysitting Your Baby Bunnies. $100. Marlboro, New York. From a website that still exists, even though you haven't thought about it in 10 years. Craigslist. Babysitting your pet bunny while you are moving. It's a wonderful time for Phyllis Edwards, owner of Charming Bunnies for Pets Only. 245 Mount Zion Road, Marlboro, New York. Owner of Edwards Country Craft Shop and Country Store. And she loves to babysit for owners that are moving. Or just need a place for overnight. Or if your bunny may be homeless, she would take him or her. And they would have a home with her. Just bring their own cage. We have plenty of food. A hundred a week will do it. Buy bunny supplies here too. Food, straw, etc. It sounds like they're ready to croak, Phyllis Very Edward. appropriate. <laughs> I, 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 look, I spoke to them. You and did. I, you know, we booked the ad and it all, you know, seemed on the up and up. But then in the copy, they're like babysitting bunnies and then they're trying to sell like supplies. It just feels a little, I don't want to poo-poo a sponsor, but they sound a little scammy. Listen, we'll, we'll run the ad, but just, you know, use your judgment, listeners. Some fire festival shit up in here. <laughs> <laughs> With bunnies and old smokers. So what about that obelisk? Let's get trivia. <laughs> so apparently necrophilia was, uh, you know, a common enough thing in the ancient world that ancient Egyptians would guard against it. When a beautiful woman would die, they would do what to prevent necrophilia? A insert a stone obelisk into the nether regions to block certain actions. B, disguise the body as a man with a relative's facial hair. Or C, they would just let the body decay for three to four days before embalming her. You guys both confidently went with stone obelisk up the hoo-ha. Yeah. It's the most pleasant. Also, <laughs> I don't think it vibrates, Chad. Uh, I think that... Uh, <laughs> 
the putting the facial hair on is like those those shitty glasses that's got like the nose and the mustache attached. <laughs> like, and then the other one is like Egyptian rituals. I think it would be against their religion to let it decay for days. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna find out right now. <laughs> All right. Two for A. The correct answer is C. <gasps> Wow. All right. Well, second most plausible. So they were okay with letting the bodies decay. I thought the whole idea behind Egyptian mummification and death practices or whatever was that like you have to literally preserve it as best as you possibly can. Totally. Totally agree. But apparently Unless this it's was... a lady, in which yeah. case, whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so Matt, you made up the stone obelisk? Yes. Yes. That no. came from my uh, my mind. What's mm-hmm. wrong with you? Respect, Matt. Respect. Hey, has anyone seen the movie Teeth? <laughs> no. Her no. vagina has teeth and it cuts huh. dicks off. Is this another Netflix documentary or? Uh-uh. It's Allie's home movie. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right, I think we should get into our interview. <laughs> <laughs> We are so excited to have with us Megan Mooney, who runs the Death Cafe Facebook page and hosts a death cafe of her own. Welcome, Megan. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be on here today. Thanks for being here. Let's talk about death. Um, So, Megan, what is Death Cafe in your own words? So, uh, our objective of Death Cafe is to increase awareness of death while helping people make the most of their finite life. Um, It's a pop-up event, so people can have them wherever they want. Um, We have them at funeral homes, coffee shops, schools, people's houses, and it is just a safe place to come and talk about death, um, whatever is on your mind related to death and dying. There's always a facilitator there, but it's ran mostly by the attendees, so whatever is on their mind. We don't have... There's no ideology, no agenda, and we always have cake, cake, coffee, and tea. Um, That's really one of the most important parts is to have food. Why is that? Everybody likes cake. That's that's true. (laughs) Well, but there's a superstition, you know, that talking about death, you are inviting it closer, you know, which is not true, but there's that, that superstition. So when you add the cake element, um, that's life sustaining part, you know, it helps. <laughs> yeah. Um, when did death cafe get started and how long or how, when did, how did you get involved? So death cafe started in 2011, um, in the UK, John Underwood founded it. Him and his mom, Subarski Reed held the first one in his basement and he decided he wanted to start a movement. And so he started guidelines and posted them. And he had no idea that it would turn out to this. Um, And so then that's how deathcafe.com, our website, got started. So at that time, I my whole life since I was a little kid, um, I was intrigued with death. And when I was 12, I was that's when I decided I want to be a mortician. And I actually started school for that. But then not at 12, I hope. No, no. (laughs) So I was actually starting school for that. But then I took this grief and loss class and I fell in love. So then I went into social work and I work in hospice. But and I was just dealing with um, a lot of my family was my aunt and uncle were dying and just going through horrible um, things in the healthcare system. And I was a medical social worker. And, you know, I couldn't help in any way because of this, these oncologists doing all these things. And so I wanted to start 
something to help um, so that people could talk about death and end of life. So I happened to read an article in this end of life journal about the first death cafe in the United States. And this was only like six, not even six months, like four months after it was held. So I contacted Lizzie who helped me start mine. Um, and that's in St. Joe, Missouri. And this is a little town. It's an hour out of Kansas city. So when I was holding mine, all the big places like, uh, New York, Atlanta, LA were starting their first one. So that was really cool because we all became really close. Um, and then we got, we've helped a lot of other people mentor them starting their own. And now it's in 65 countries. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. You mentioned in your story that someone posted guidelines and that's how it got started. What, what were those guidelines? Yeah. So John, um, our founder, and he actually died suddenly um, in June of 2017. And he, John was the most amazing guy ever. Um, he lived the way that he talked about Death Cafe, like living your life to the fullest. Um, he started deathcafe.com so that anyone anywhere in the world could get on here and start their own. And so we asked if you're going to have one, a death cafe, you get on here, you read our guidelines, um, you agree to them because death cafe really is so simple, but people can try to take it and want to put a theme to it, you know, or have an agenda. And that's not a death cafe. So when you go to a death cafe, um, we always read our guidelines, which is, you know, respect everyone there. Um, keep what you hear, you know, in confidentiality. We do not charge people to go to a death cafe. Um, mm -hmm. We do not have specific topics, set questions. So like when you go to death cafe, you should not ever have a piece of paper in front of you asking questions to discuss with people. Um, you shouldn't have guest speakers or movies or anything like that. Because our view what is What if it's that, like a really good movie, though? Yeah, no. <laughs> a really good one. Okay. Yeah, no. Because Got our view it. is that when it comes to death, people already have enough on their mind to discuss, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you come to Death Cafe, you are coming because you want to talk about death. Right. You don't need prompts. Right. And if you're going to have, oh, let's watch this movie and then talk about it, then you're not really talking about death. You're talking about some movie. We just feel like if you have an agenda it's disempowering you know so when people come we'll do small tables that's how i do it um and then i'll switch them up during the middle and ask them just to start with what brought you here tonight to want to talk about death and everything comes out you know if you think about it everybody has a story has a something that's happened to them related to death and they don't get to talk about that to people you know Mm -hmm. And I've had so many people come up to me after a death cafe and thank me for having that safe space because they've tried to talk about death with their family or their friends and they get told they're morbid. Um, and so they need that place just to come talk about it. And these could be people coming from a range of experiences, like they've experienced a death of a loved one. They themselves maybe were faced with something or it could just be curiosity. Yeah. So it's for anyone. I've only had one person that came that was terminally ill. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a grief support group. So we always make sure people know, 
you know, this is not for people that are grieving. Um, but grief is part of death. So of course, that comes up. And that's totally okay. So what are the most common questions and topics then if it's not grief? Oh, well, grief definitely comes up. It's just not a support group for, for grief. Yeah. Oh, let's see. Everything comes up. You know, one of the biggest things that comes up is legacies. And not just, you know, I want to go be famous, but I don't ever hear anybody say that. It's more of, I want my life to have mattered. I want people to remember me for this. We have a lot of aha moments. Um, A lot of people talk about experiences that they've had with death and they wonder where their loved ones are now. They'll talk about watching their loved ones suffer through cancer, for instance, and how they don't want to go through that. And what's interesting is people will start coming to every single death cafe. And that is really awesome to see. And you see these amazing friendships develop because talking about death is very intimate, right? Mm -hmm. And what we found is when you talk about death, you really become your authentic self because you are shedding away all of that stuff that is not really yourself. And that has to be the the number one coolest thing because the number one thing I've noticed about people that start coming and come frequently is they make these changes in their life based on their awareness of the mortality. Um, And they will talk about that. What kinds of changes? So I've had people um, who have gotten out of toxic relationships that they've been in. One that is really cool is someone I know who um, had been going through the motions of life and not doing what he wanted to do and just decided that he was going to leave the town that we live in and move somewhere he always wanted to move and follow his dream of doing comedy. Wow. Yeah. And he wrote this big letter to me and said, you know, I want to thank you because if it wasn't for Death Cafe, I would have never done this. And um, that was so shocking to me because it just came out of nowhere. And that was amazing. Where did he move? He moved to Oregon. Is that a big comedy scene? I don't know. (laughs) I bet in Portland. Jen, should we go to Oregon? I mean... (laughs) (laughs) You know, my dad died a year ago. And my dad wouldn't talk about death. I tried to get him to forever. He wouldn't. Wouldn't talk about it at all. So he came to my first death cafe Um, And when he told me he was coming, I said, Dad, do you know what a death cafe is? He said, well, it's like AA, right? I said, no, it's nothing like AA. And my dad never How would that even work? I'm a human and I'm going (laughs) to die? Yeah, I guess. Which, you know, would be good to say at it. But but yeah, so, you know, he never went anywhere longer than an hour because he has to smoke. He had to smoke like every five seconds. So in my death cafe, there are two hours. So he comes and to the first one and I look over and I see him smiling and laughing, having a good time. And a week later, I was talking to him about my aunt because my uncle had died probably four months earlier. And I said to tell him how my cousins were trying to get my aunt to move. And he goes, well, don't you know that you're not supposed to make any big decisions before it's the one year anniversary of someone dying? And I said, well, I know that. But how do you know that? And he said from the ladies at my table at the death cafe. (sighs) And I was like, okay, well then he started coming to everyone. And I'm like, well, okay. You know? And the next thing I know, I I'm getting in his car 
and he's playing Patty Loveless, How Do I Help You Say Goodbye? And that he picked his funeral songs out. And so he'd keep playing uh-huh. that song every time I got in the car because he thought it was funny. <laughs> and then he made his advanced directive. Um, he did all those things. His what? His advanced directive. What's that? It's uh, your end of life wishes. So, you know, if I am to get in a, you know, do I want a DNR? Do not resuscitate. Do I want to be on machines? All those. He did all those. Um, and him and I talked about it and he made me his durable power of attorney. And then my dad and I went and planned his funeral together, which what I mean, but it was a beautiful gift that he gave me all those things. And what was really cool was my dad was on palliative care outpatient and two weeks before he started actively dying, we were talking to his nurse and social worker in palliative care. And he started talking about death cafe to them. He said, it is so important to talk about death. And this is my dad who wouldn't talk about it. And he said, um, people are afraid to, but they really need to. And he had signed a DNR. And he told them, well, how would they know if I got in a wreck? How would they know? And he really wanted everybody to know that he did not want to be resuscitated. And my dad was a skinny little guy, weighed 120 pounds, soaking wet, um, and was almost six feet tall. Well, two weeks later, he was in the hospital because he was septic. And I, my DPOA was invoked because my dad was not making sense. And the oncologist there was fighting with me because he wasn't going to honor his DNR. I'm sitting there fighting with this doctor because there's no way I'm going to let him touch my dad. And this Mm -hmm. doctor thinks I want my dad to die, which my dad's my best friend in the whole world and I love him more than anything. And what? Oh, it was a battle. But my dad gave me that gift by telling me everything he wanted. Thankfully, my dad came to the next day. I was able to tell him what happened. He yelled at the doctor, but I got him home. Wow, that's a really powerful story. Um, it's making me wonder, because I know Death Cafe spans across the world. Do you have any sense with these Death Cafes, like how different countries view end of life and or... I'm curious if America, like we deny the empowerment in end of life more than other places. But I don't know if that's true. Do you have any sense of that? Oh, yeah, we definitely do. Like Australia is way better than we are. Um, There's so many countries that are better. We Lizzie Miles and I um, went to Hong Kong and started the first death cafe there. And what was amazing. um, uh, It was just it was so neat. But, you know, we were they have all these palliative care houses and hospice houses, but they don't. Someone had told us there that it was illegal for people to die at home there because they have the belief that their soul will then haunt that house. But there they take care of their elderly. You know, the elderly are viewed as sacred. And at the death cafe we held, it was amazing. There was people speaking Cantonese. And so this guy was translating for me because this guy was getting really, really excited. And I had no idea what he was saying. And I don't know if you guys know what Joss paper is, but it's it's paper that um, you can buy Joss paper in anything. So like if I wanted to go get casino coins in Joss paper, I could get it. If I want to get clothes, I get it. But the purpose of it is to buy things for your loved ones, um, your ancestors that have died. And you get it for them now to bless them in their afterlife so that they can bless you in this life. You would go to the cemetery and everybody is basically um, cremated there. So you go there and everybody would be burning this Joss paper all the time. 
But this guy got really upset because his family brought, bought the wrong size of Joss paper for his grandma who had died. And so he thought that was really disrespectful. And now she wasn't going to bless them. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was very interesting. So interesting to see that. Um, every culture is so different. Um, but yeah, the United States is definitely ranked one of the lowest when it comes to end of life care. Do you think we're getting better at talking about it? And is that your experience um, in St. Joe, for example? Like, do you hear people talking about that? I think we're definitely getting getting better. There's so many death positive movements out there. You know, we have death over dinner. We have in well now, have the conversation. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of you're going to die. No. I think that's actually in San Francisco. Huh. What is it? There are a bunch of death conferences and stuff in San Francisco. It's kind of weird. Like, why are they all here? You know, Inwell was really cool. Um, my friend Ned actually started You're Going to Die, like a little after we started. Um, and I found him on Twitter because he would post the most hilarious stuff about You're Going to Die. And so then I started talking to him and we all became friends because, you know, you're in this kind of weird, when you're in the death and dying, you talk to all the death and dying people because you all have the same goal. But what he does is they have poetry and all that stuff and they do shows. All right. Maybe I'll check it out. It's at the Lost <laughs> Church. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but it just has funny stuff like um, somewhere. Oh, this one isn't funny. Somewhere, someone in the world just lost the most important person in their life. Say I love you. Yeah, that's not funny. Yeah, that one's not <laughs> funny. But it'll have like, you know, life is a limit. Da, da, da. You're going to die. <laughs> I think that that kind of stuff's funny. But they're um, trying to normalize it. Yeah, <laughs> there's so much research now about how being aware of your own mortality is healthy for you and can help you be a better person. Mm -hmm. There used to be all that research about, you know, terror management and it makes you anxious. But now they found that people who are aware of their own mortality live healthier, are more peaceful, happier, all those things. Because when you view life from the viewpoint of death, it helps you put everything into perspective and it helps you just see life for what it is. You know, I think that all kids should know about death. I actually work with kids at a funeral home before they go to visitation or funeral and explain to them what death is, explain to them what a funeral is, explain what they're going to see when they go in and we make a star and we put it in the casket. And I'm so glad I get to do this because I've done bereavement for years with kids who are so afraid to go to sleep or of heaven or, you know, because their parents tell them, well, grandpa went to sleep, never woke up, you know, no. <laughs> so I've had to tell people, you have to talk to kids about death in adult terms. But how many adults use euphemisms? We don't, don't use euphemisms. You have to With say, each other. Yeah. 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 Grandpa died. And I even hear people in hospice say that. So-and-so expired. I'm like, they expired? They're not expired. milk. You know, they died. <laughs> well, you know, when milk expires, you do, th you do throw it out. So, yeah. <laughs> well, um, I wasn't, I wasn't allowed. Yeah, that, that 
that works. You know what yeah. I mean? Passes away. I'm like, to where? I'm, or you lost them. And I'm like, you lost them. Like, you, how'd you lose yeah. them? Maybe you should look for them. Yeah. I mean, it's just horrible. I wasn't allowed to go to funerals when I was a kid. Even my grandfather, my mom's dad, and some other family members, because I think they thought it would be too traumatic for me. Mm-hmm. But it just created like an inability to deal with it when I got older. So Right. And that, that is what we, I found from death cafe is that people's views on death, you know, they're all from when they're kids and my de- my experience of what happens in afterlife, of course that forms when you're a child. And that was scary. Cause my mom was like, there was religious scary person when I was a kid. So, you know, I had to change that as I was an adult. So let's talk about death in the age of the internet. Um, it seems to me that probably, you know, it it's sort of more complicated when people have a digital footprint, they exist online and social media, and then they pass away. Memorials are put up to people, that sort of thing. But do you hear any conversation about death in the internet? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, at that conference I went to, they were talking about that. And there's so many different um, companies now that are trying to make things for that. This is really, really strange. But there's actually in different um, countries, like an avatar mm-hmm. person who looks like your deceased loved one that like pops up at their grave. What? What? Yeah. I'm not even kidding. Obviously, like you have to sign up for this thing before you ever die. And <laughs> uh, I'm really not kidding. This is like in Japan or somewhere. So they have all these things that they're trying to do for that Um there's companies that are working on um, your all your social media for after you die. You can write different things, um, and they will post it for you after you die. So if you want to, in two years from now, when your daughter's going to turn 16, have this big happy 16th birthday post to her, they will do that for you. Wow. On the Death Cafe Facebook page, it is so, so cool. We have like 55,000 likes. And three hours ago, I wrote, what is on your mind related to death and dying? I already have 158 comments. And what is so cool is everything, anything, everything comes up. And then people start replying to each other about it. It's kind of like a miniature death cafe online, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's what we, you know, when the question we ask when people come so that then the attendees start talking to each other about death. That makes me wonder, like, if it is online, I think I understand like the value of having them in person, but like, what's the difference between having these online versus in person? Well, in person, it's way more um, personable. (laughs) And I think in person, it's more, it's definitely more authentic because online there's that, you still have that front put up, you know, Mm -hmm. people don't see you, you're not being vulnerable. Does that make sense? Totally. And there's also not that privacy. I had someone write me today this morning on Death Cafe asking, you know, if we had a private or closed page because she didn't want her family and friends being able to read her personal and emotional comments. So there's that part too. Not uh, everyone can just write that and be okay with their friends being able to see it. But, you know, it is. I think Facebook's getting ready to come out with a new um, group setting for pages. So when they do that, I'm going to create one for Death Cafe so that people can do that. And we didn't ask this before, but how many Death Cafes are typically going on in person? Oh, we have um, about 9,000. Per year or or so far? Oh, so So far. far. Okay. (laughs) 
Yeah. Like, and that's the ones <laughs> that's the ones that have registered because like I said before, in order to be a true death cafe, we ask you read our guidelines and agree to them and post it online. And you'd asked me earlier how I got involved with death cafe. Um, and I had told you, you know, how I heard about it, but mm-hmm. John Underwood, our founder, he, in 2013 had asked um, for help with the Facebook page. So I had said that I would, and we were supposed to have like a few of us helping, but just no one else helped. It became me. And um, I've been running it now for seven years. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. But I absolutely love it. I've, I love it. Well, we talked a little bit about, you know, avatars popping up and things (laughs) like that and technology. And I was wondering what you think about the craze with life extensions. So we recently spoke with a member of the transhumanist movement, and a lot of that is using technology to extend life. Mm -hmm. I also think we will eventually fuse with the robots and be made of robot parts and live forever. (laughs) And I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on that. Oh, yeah, I did. I truly just think that that's awful um (laughs) you know we are all going to die um we have to accept that you know nothing in life is permanent and that is just part of our destinying culture um what if we're gonna if we were to live forever what would life what would be the purpose of living you know nothing people would just be out doing whatever they wanted because there would be no point i think people that are so afraid of death or you know, they want to get all this stuff done. Like, you know, people that they have no quality of life in their last days because they get these very unnecessary and cruel treatments because their doctors are afraid that they think they're quote unquote giving up um, instead of giving them hope to live out life the best way they can. You know, there's so many, all these studies about and I'm not saying any bad, anything bad about religion at all, but they're, you know, the more religious, you a can. Person, we're okay with that. <laughs> this podcast, but, <laughs> but I mean, the more religious someone is usually the more treatments they're going to get. And I just, I guess they think that, I don't know. It's just weird. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think that, I don't know. I think death cafe is helping to redefine death by helping people, transform their fear of death into inspiration for living. Um, And when you have that, you can come to terms with your own beliefs about death that can help liberate you. And then hopefully you won't feel like you have to do those types of things to extend your life beyond the point of what's meant to be. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about cake. (laughs) Can we talk about cake? (laughs) I think it's time to talk about cake. Okay. So what kinds, different kinds, every time different people are responsible for making the cake. Do you make the cakes? Tell us more about the cake. (laughs) Okay. So I usually get cupcakes, really delicious cupcakes from this bakery. My first ever cake, it is on the death cafe website under what is a death cafe. And it is so awesome. It has three um, graves and say, rest in peace. (laughs) I'm looking at it right now. It has black icing, which I'm sure everybody's mouths were just pitch black. (laughs) And then it says Missouri's first death cafe. Well, guess who made that cake? Did you make it? You're going to laugh. Sorry. No, No, Walmart. Really? (laughs) Yeah. So I go in there because, you know, this is six years ago. I'm so excited to begin, you know, starting this and I have to get this perfect cake. I have it in mind and 
I ask the lady and she says, this is a family store. <laughs> There's no death in family. Yeah. Right? I was like, well, um, lady, like, yeah, she got all mad at me and thought I was like some crazy person. So I, I was like trying to explain it to her over and over again. And so finally they agreed to do it. And when I go pick it up, she's like so nice to me. Uh-huh. And they, my first story was in my hometown paper and everybody was talking about it. Like it, I was a horrible person. I was trying to kill people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, everybody has different kinds of cake. People get really creative with it. People have had skull cake. <laughs> yeah, all sorts of really cool stuff. I hope they're all made by that same Walmart. <laughs> right. No, I never went back there. <laughs> oh, ever. <okay. laughs> That's the whole thing in a nutshell. People are so uncomfortable with this that they that you're like, I'd like a, a death cake, please. They're like, how dare you? Right. <laughs> I am offended. Yeah, really. <laughs> you know, this person in Singapore that I was helping, um, he said, have you seen the comments on my Facebook page? People thought that they were coming to his death cafe to drink tea that were going to kill them. <laughs> right. And that's what people thought too. Like they were thinking that about my death cafe and people, these old lady were getting their hair cut. Like, have you heard about this death cafe? Oh it is evil. And I'm like, what? Oh my God. You know, no, I don't think it's tea that kills you. I think it's when you drink the Kool-Aid. Oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, hang on. Were, were, were you playing the rock and roll music there? That, <laughs> that'll get you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, but it's, you know, six years later and there's still that stigma. Um, and people will say, Megan, do you still have that cafe? And I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't own a cafe. No, um, <laughs> I do have mine at a coffee shop. I have a lady who's really awesome that helps me. Um, and it's really cool to see the different types of people that come from younger people to older people. Well, we have to clear up the misconceptions. It's not an actual cafe and you don't die when you go there. <laughs> right. So now <laughs> no. we all know. There is cake. Yeah. There is Let's yummy. do a, a revision on that article in your local hometown paper. <laughs> <laughs> well, Megan, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. I was interested in everything, but Megan's story about her dad attending the death cafes. And I I think it's interesting how like so quickly people can go from a place of not wanting to talk about it at all to feeling like pretty empowered when they do talk about death. And I haven't yet had that experience myself, I guess, but um, I, I don't know. I just found that interesting that like suddenly he was like ready and willing to, you know, be more open about it. I, as this is unsurprising, but I'm really into the tech stuff. So there's a service that you can input like all the text messages from that person. And then after they die, you can continue to text that person and the AI will respond as them. Creepy Uh, as fuck. Don't do it. I have a feeling that's really tough in terms of like no one ever having closure if that becomes a thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's kind of not okay. And then at what point are we just like putting their consciousness or AI machine learning into like a robot body so that your husband is like still around? There's a movie or a show I think oh, God, so. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's a black mirror episode already yeah something like that uh, mm-hmm. yeah not yeah. not a huge fan I'm a, I'm a fan of of living forever and simulating consciousness big fan yeah we'll get I'm into there. that she was not but into that I'm into it 
Right. <laughs> well, all of this sort yeah. of reminded me about the discussion around birth as well and how people like just don't really talk about it that much. And like, I don't, you know, I don't know. I like, hate those bitches who are like, oh my God, it was beautiful. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> it tears its way out of your body. And a level four is when your vagina tears to your asshole. It's right. not beautiful. Here's a real question. What do we avoid talking about more, birth or death? Well, which one do we avoid talking about, honestly? Probably. Talk, uh, more, yes. Uh, okay. Could, thank you. Yes. That's a better yeah, question. Because we talk about birth know. all the time yeah, all the and time. we celebrate People it. Stop and we fucking like, talking about but it. But yeah. what do, do, right. Do we get in the weeds on both? Uh, it's a, I don't know. I think it's I think death, it's death. But, I think it's becoming almost trendy. I'm seeing now like uh, birth doulas are like starting their own Instagram pages where like you can learn everything about birth. Sure. Yeah. I, I recently met this girl who was funny as fuck about her birth story and was so honest. She's like, it's like my vagina was under investigation. <laughs> there were fucking searchlights. I mean, this girl was fabulous. <laughs> I loved <Yeah>. her. <laughs> well, well, but bringing anyway. It, bringing it back to the other end, back birth to death, death. I love connecting oh, the less, through line there. Yeah. Circle of life. The live action Lion King is coming out and I'm excited. <laughs> oh, That's not man. where I was going, but okay. It's not? Oh, Okay. What were you gonna say? Well, I'm. I'm just. I, one of you guys asked about legacy, maybe, she was or, talking or about sort it. of being yeah. remembered, mm-hmm. or, or maybe Megan brought it up, and I'm very fascinated by that because there's some statistic of like, even if you're the greatest, most awesome, accomplished person, like two generations later and you are completely forgotten like how much do you actually know about your great grandparents and if you have a a very close family that has connections there then maybe you do know something but you don't really know who your great grandparents were so like unless you're julius Mm -hmm. fucking caesar you will be forgotten even by your own family and that is really kind of depressing maybe comforting of like nothing really matters so live your best life but i'm also then I come back to why like having kids is such a like monumental thing because it's literally like it's the only thing you leave behind. Nothing else you do like <laughs> All right, all right, all right, persists. all right, all right. Know your audience, Matt. I'm, I'm a just, single lady in my 30s who's probably never going to have kids. Let's move on from you, this but, conversation. So, Mike, uh, does that give you existential dread? I mean, I don't think I want them anyway. Sure. But this idea that like nothing will be left behind, like you won't even leave your DNA behind if you don't do it. It's not a challenge. I respect your your um, choice not to have children. I deeply do. I think it could be done in different ways. So you might not be remembered yourself as the person, everything about your life, but maybe through the actions, the, the like the values that you instill in people that you're close with, even if it's like a cousin or a friend or something like that, that then get Mm-hmm. you know paid forward you also just said that your great grandkids aren't gonna fucking know who you were <laughs> yes okay so no, your right, dna exactly. might be there well my dna's in my nephews already so i'm sad. right fair, fair enough <laughs> none of them will remember yeah. us anyway my dna is in my nephews <laughs> put that on a t-shirt i got a niece too my twin's gonna have some kids there's gonna be plenty of people running around with my fucking dna it's yeah. a tragedy yeah. really no that's it's a it's but a i think tr- there are other fact. ways to make lasting impact some people like you know i had an uncle who i will always remember because he changed the course of my life and a couple of family members but then like he also just like he changed the course of a yeah, lot of people's lives and well, he didn't, he have, didn't have kids, kids but it, yeah it was through mm-hmm. like activism and supporting artists and things like that and um well he was also uh donated fuck tons of money to aids which is now basically <laughs> cured so he technically saved yeah, a ton of lives i was just thinking mm. about that the other night because i went to so he died 20 years ago i you know i was a youngin and uh, we went to a concert that was still sort of like in part, it's named after him and like kind of partially in his honor. 
And just to think that there was a room full of people 20 years later, you know, still kind of memorializing somebody really um, blew my mind that I, I was, I was mm-hmm. thinking about how rare that is. I, I agree with everything you're saying. I guess my question is, does it matter? Does what matter? Does it matter? No, what no, you do? no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Nothing does matters. Any, nothing matters. Matter? <laughs> like, like if everything is forgotten, unless you are like at Genghis Khan, no one will be talking about you uh, in two to three generations or like remembering a few other anything people. you did. I think, sure. honestly, politics. Politics is the best way to get yourself remembered because mm. then you they go immediately in history books. <laughs> right, I know. Should have gone into politics. I don't know. I don't know. Well, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> nobody knows. If you know anything, tweet us. I'm at Ali Gold. <laughs> I'm at Junebugger. <laughs> if you've attended a death cafe, let us know. Yeah. And you can email us at 2g1podcast at gmail.com. You can also call us and leave us a real life voicemail. That's right. It's alive. It's not dead. That phone number is 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6 And or you can join us in our Discord server. So that's discord.gg slash 2g1p. Join us. Um, it's a really great place to meet others. We're listening to this very podcast discord.gg slash 2g1p and Ali if they want to contribute how do they do that you can go to patreon.com slash 2g1p and we hope that you will thanks everybody we'll see you next week two girls one podcast is hosted by Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula and transferred to a USB stick then buried six feet underground I mean produced by Matt Silverman in New York City production assistance is provided by the podglomerate this show is a production of the daily dot the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet if you enjoy this audio program you can help it keep living support two girls one podcast on patreon even a small contribution goes a long way to help offset our production costs visit patreon.com slash 2g1p today The Podglomerate, a sonic universe. Talking in my loud voice now.